The scripture for this evening's message is Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 40, and we will go to chapter 16, verse 8. The title of the message tonight is Serving the Risen Savior. We now come to the end of Mark's gospel. Jesus' followers have been scattered. He has been wrongly convicted, brutally tortured, and is now hanging on a tree, dead. It sounds like the end of a horrible story, but it isn't. It's the beginning of a wonderful story. Mark 15 Verse 40, please stand for the reading of God's holy word. And there were also some women looking on from a distance, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James the Less and Joseph, and Salome, who, when he was in Galilee, were following him and serving him. And there were many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. And when evening had already come, because it was preparation day, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea came, a prominent council member who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up the courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate wondered if he had died by this time. Summoning the centurion, he questioned him as to whether he already died. And ascertaining this from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. When Joseph had bought a linen cloth, he took him down, wrapped him in the linen cloth, and laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a stone against the entrance of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he had been laid. And when the Sabbath passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might come and anoint him. Very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, although it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. He said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment were gripping them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray. God, as we come to the culmination of the Gospel of Mark, the climax of the Gospel story, the resurrection of the Son of God, oh, how we pray that you would let the truth and reality of what's happening in these verses grip us to the very core. Let the impact you intend these scriptures to have 
to, to fully land on us by the power of your spirit. Do your work in us through these words in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated. I remember once when I was in my early 20s, I was in a, a little joint on Highway 49 South called Don and Ellie's. I was there eating with a friend. There was another couple there that I had just met. And uh, this couple was getting married. Well, apparently they had some trouble with the church that they were wanting to use for the wedding. I, there was some kind of conflict over some things. And it, it appears this couple was unhappy with the church. In the course of the conversation, my friend said, well, as long as you believe in God, that's all that matters. Of course, me being a professing Christian, I knew he was wrong. Muslims believe in God. Hindus believe in God. As a matter of fact, Hindus have millions of gods. It's not enough to just believe in God. So here I am. This is a prime opportunity for me to speak a word for Jesus. So I said, nothing. Absolutely nothing. The weakness of the flesh and the fear of the world's hostility can present such a challenge to our devotion and courage. Do you ever feel like it takes so little to cause your devotion to Jesus to dwindle? It takes so little sometimes to get you to skip time in God's Word and prayer. It takes so little to get you to say, I just don't feel like going to church today. Do you ever feel like it takes so little pressure from unbelievers to get you to silence your witness? So little. I have no doubt that all of us who are truly Christians want to serve Jesus with devotion and courage, but I also have no doubt that all of us who are truly Christians struggle to be as devoted and courageous as we'd like to be. Now, my goal tonight is not to make you feel ashamed. My goal is not to make you feel guilty. Listen, I want to encourage you. What I want to do tonight is to give you the confidence to serve Jesus with devotion and courage. And the confidence you need to serve Jesus with absolute devotion, with true courage, that confidence comes from knowing what Mark tells us in this passage of Scripture. He's alive. The message tonight is this. We can serve Jesus with devotion and courage because He's a risen Savior. Now, I want to do two things this evening. First, I want to establish the fact that Jesus did indeed rise after dying. Second, I want to show you how that enables us to serve Him with devotion and courage. So first, I want us to look at these verses. We won't be able to look 
in detail at all of these verses. I just want to point out a few things to, to confirm in our own hearts and reassure our own hearts of the truth that Jesus died and rose again. What Mark does in this passage of Scripture we read is present us with eyewitness evidence. Evidence that reassures us that Jesus did die and rise again. Now, I need to say this from the outset. The evidence that Mark presents is not designed to convince skeptics and unbelievers. No, Mark is writing to Christians who are in Rome. They already believe. The evidence he's giving is to reassure them, to confirm their belief, to give them greater confidence in the resurrection of Jesus. Basically what Mark's trying to say to his readers in this passage is, rest assured, Jesus did rise from the dead. He's alive. Now, in verse 40, Mark introduces us to three women. Mary Magdalene, Mary, who's the mother of James and Joseph, and another woman named Salome. They appear in verse 40 as witnesses of Jesus' death. We'll see them again in verse 47, where they appear as witnesses of Jesus' burial. We'll see them again in chapter 16, the first eight verses, where they appear as witnesses of the resurrection. This same group of women witness with their own eyes the death of Jesus, the burial of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. And you'll notice Mark gives us their names. And he does that for a reason, because these women were well known in the early church. What's the point? Those who witnessed the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus are not some unnamed, unidentifiable people. They were women who were well known to Mark's readers. Now, in verse 40, Mark tells us, when Jesus was crucified... These three women, among other women, were looking on from a distance. I want to tell you, they weren't looking on from a distance because they were ashamed of Jesus or because they were afraid of the authorities. No, they were trying to distance themselves from a crowd who was mocking Jesus, who was hostile to Jesus. They didn't want to be among those who were mistreating their Lord, so they distanced themselves. The thing I want you to notice is simply that they were watching they saw Jesus on the cross. They watched him die. Now, there are those who would say Jesus didn't really die. They would explain the resurrection by saying, well, Jesus didn't rise from the dead because he never fully died. He never actually died. He was on the verge of dead. He appeared dead, but once he was laid in the coolness of the tomb, his body revived and he was alive. But Mark makes it clear Jesus was very much dead. I want to show you what Mark does. Verse 43, we're introduced to a man named Joseph of Arimathea. I'll have more to say about him later. For now, I just want you to notice Joseph is the man who goes to Pilate and asks to have Jesus' body so he can bury it. Now, I want you to look in verse 44. Pilate wondered if he had died already. Was Jesus dead already? See, what we may not understand is crucifixion was a slow death. Sometimes it took days. Jesus had only been on the cross about six hours. So what does Pilate do? He's thinking, 
Pilate had a lot of people crucified. He's thinking, how can he be dead already? So he calls in the centurion, the same centurion from this morning who said, Jesus is the Son of God. He says, is this guy already dead? The centurion confirms Jesus is dead. And as a man of, who was in charge of an execution squad, this centurion had seen a lot of dead people. He had overseen a lot of executions. He knew what dead looked like. So he assured Pilate he is indeed dead. Pilate granted the body to Joseph, who then went and took the body down off of the cross. Now, I want you to notice in verse 43 and verse 45, the word body, you see that? He refers to Jesus' body, verse 43, the body of Jesus. Verse 5, he granted the body to Joseph. That word could be translated corpse. Mark is calling him a corpse. Now, I want you to think about something. These women saw Jesus die. He was, as we say, graveyard dead. His body had been examined by the centurion who had executed many people before. His body had been examined by who else? Joseph, as Joseph had to take him down off of the cross. This man was undoubtedly, actually, genuinely dead. On that cross, the Savior died. Then the Savior was buried. See, there are those who might say, well, the reason his tomb was empty on Sunday morning is because the women accidentally went to the wrong tomb. Others might try to say, well, his body was never really placed in the tomb. That's why the tomb was empty. Well, not so. Jesus was placed in a tomb and the women knew exactly what tomb it was. Verse 46. Jesus was crucified on Friday. The next day is Saturday. It was that, that Saturday was the Sabbath and the Passover. Now keep in mind for the Jews, Saturday began at sundown on Friday. Notice what it says back in verse 42. Evening had already come. That means it's getting close to sundown. It's almost Sabbath. Here's the issue. Deuteronomy 21-23 required dead bodies to be buried before dark. And if it wasn't, you could not do it on the Sabbath day. Well, it's almost dark by the time Joseph gets the body from Pilate. So the normal burial preparation was hurried. All Joseph really has time to do is quickly wash the body, wrap it in linen cloth, which he had purchased. Jesus' body was then laid in a tomb, which had been cut out in the rock. No time to properly anoint Jesus' body. That's why the women come back on Sunday morning to finish the process. So he puts him in a tomb. I do need to tell you this. For a crucified man to be placed in a rock tomb was extremely unlikely. Romans would just leave the bodies on the cross to rot. Or they would throw them out in the open fields for scavenger birds and animals to eat. Well, Jews had laws against that sort of thing that wouldn't allow that. But what they would do is just throw the bodies in a mass grave. An unnamed body thrown in a mass grave. But Jesus was put in a family tomb. There would be a short tunnel that you had to stoop to go in. It would lead into a room, opened up large room, where there were multiple shelves cut out in the rock. The bodies would be placed on one of those shelves. 
Now, verse 47 is important. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, were looking on to see where he'd been laid. These women weren't just watching when Jesus died. They were watching to see where he would be buried. Why? Because they needed to know where Jesus' body was being laid so they could go back on Sunday morning and complete the anointing of his body. Now notice what it says about these women, verse 47. They were looking on to see where he had been laid. The word looking on means to observe with sustained attention. In other words, the women were paying very close attention to make sure they knew exactly where Jesus had been buried. Now, why is that important? It's important because it eliminates any thought that the women accidentally went to the wrong tomb. The whole reason they followed to see where he was buried was because they were going back. They were paying very close attention. They knew exactly which tomb Jesus was placed in. And by the way, if they had accidentally gone to the wrong tomb, then someone later would have taken them. No, you just went to the wrong tomb. Here's the tomb. Here's his body, right? Well, that didn't happen. They went to the right tomb. They knew what tomb he had been in, and he was indeed placed in that tomb dead. So these women were eyewitnesses of his death. They were eyewitnesses of his burial, and they were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. Here we come to chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. The women wanted to give Jesus' body a proper anointing for burial, and they wanted to do it as soon as possible. So Saturday, after sundown, when the Sabbath was officially over, they went to buy spices. These would be liquid spices, not, uh, not powder or flowers. They were liquid to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, as soon as they could see to walk, they went to the tomb. Now, they knew they couldn't move the stone by themselves. There was a stone that covered the entrance to the tomb. It was a large round stone, and it was placed in a groove that was cut out in the ground in front of the tomb, and it could be rolled back and forth. And, but it would take three large men to move this stone. Well, Jesus' disciples had all fled, so these women were just hoping they could find somebody to move the tomb for them. But when they arrived, the stone had already been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. Notice verse 5. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. Now Mark just identifies the one in the tomb as a man wearing a white robe. What that means is he had the appearance of a male. He didn't look like a female. We know from the Gospel of Matthew, he was actually an angel of the Lord. Matthew 28, 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it, and his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. So this is what the women saw. An angel of the Lord. Verse 5, it says the women were amazed. This, this word means a combination of fear and shock. They wouldn't have been surprised if they had found Joseph's servants there. Joseph of Arimathea. He might have sent his servants there to finish the proper burial. So if they'd seen them, it wouldn't surprise them. But to see a messenger from heaven left them awestruck. 
the angel had come to deliver them a message. It's in verse 6. And he said to them, do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. You notice he calls him Jesus the Nazarene. What he's telling these women is the same Jesus from Nazareth that you've been following all this time. The same Jesus of Nazareth that you saw crucified. He was laid here, but he isn't here anymore. He is risen. In Greek, that's a one-word sentence. He's risen. Raised from the dead, meaning God raised him from the dead. Now, here's what I want you to catch. Look at the end of verse 6. Behold the place where they laid him. Look at the place where his body was. The shelf cut out in the rock where his body would have been placed. He said, look, the body isn't here. Now, why is that important? You know, there are those who say Jesus didn't really rise physically, bodily, just his spirit. And that's what appeared to the disciples, his spirit. Did you know that's what Martin Luther King Jr. believed? He didn't believe in the physical bodily resurrection of Jesus. He believed that Jesus only rose from the dead spiritually. If that were true, where would Jesus' body have been? Still on that shelf in the tomb. But the angel said what? Look. The body's gone. From his death to his burial, to his resurrection, these women saw it all. They were eyewitnesses. And you know, there are those who might say, somebody just made all this up to make people think Jesus died and rose again. Somebody made this whole story up. For those who might say that, let me point out something. The eyewitnesses were who? Women. Why is that significant? If someone in Jesus' day was going to make up this story to convince people it really happened, would they have made the witnesses women? No. Anybody know why? Because in Jewish society at that time, a woman's testimony was invalid. Women couldn't even testify in court. They weren't believed. So if you're going to make this up to convince people, you wouldn't make the witnesses women. They would all be men. So why does Mark, Matthew, Luke, John all write the witnesses were women? Because that's the way it happened. You see, this is just further confirmation that this story isn't made up. It's real. Nobody would have made that up. They only record it that way because that's the way it happened. What's the point? Jesus really did die physically, graveyard dead. He really was put in a tomb dead. And he really came out of that tomb fully, physically, bodily alive. Now, that's the facts. Now what I want you to see is because he is alive, because he conquered death, 
we can serve Him with devotion and courage. So notice first this, serve the risen Savior with devotion. I want to go back to verse 40 and take a closer look at these women. We see that they followed Jesus all the way to the cross. See it in verse 41, it says, When he was in Galilee, they had been following him. Why? Well, they followed Jesus all the way to the cross because of their devotion to him. They loved him. Verse 41 says that they had followed him before that. In Mark, most of Jesus' ministry took place in Galilee, which is where these women were from from the northern region of Galilee. And all the time Jesus ministered in Galilee, it says these women followed Him and served Him. You see the word follow that says they were following Him? This is the same word Jesus used when He called Peter and Andrew to follow Him. Mark 1, 16-18. He was going along by the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. That's the same word Mark uses to describe these women. They followed him. What do we mean? It means these women were followers of Jesus. Just as much as the disciples, they were genuine followers of Jesus. They weren't just tagging along with Him. They believed in Him. They followed Him. And that's even more clear by the fact that it says, while Jesus was in Galilee, they served Him, these women and many others. What does that mean? That means they were providing material support. Jesus' ministry is what we would call today an itinerant ministry. That means He traveled from place to place. He didn't just stay put in one place all the time. Well, when he traveled, these women would tag along and provide support out of their money, support of food, support of provision for their needs. They supported his ministry. Now, these women were truly devoted to Jesus. And when they followed him to the cross, that was purely out of devotion, but the cross wasn't the end of their devotion. You already saw in verse 47 that they followed Jesus as his body was taken to the tomb. They had to know where he was laid. You see, Jesus hadn't been given the proper burial that he deserved. There was not time. Now, Jewish corpses were not embalmed technically like the way Egyptians did it. But aromatic spices and ointments were used on the bodies as a mark of respect and also to keep the corpse preserved as long as possible. But why did this matter so much to these women? That they had to be there at, I mean, literally before daylight. Why did it matter so much to them to have this done? It's because they loved Him. Pure devotion. Now, I want you to think about this. Even when all the others fled, these women followed Jesus all the way to the cross, and they stayed there until He died. Even then, they didn't leave. They watched and followed to see where He would be laid, and they went back at the earliest possible opportunity to see that their Lord was given a proper burial. 
Now, I want you to think about this. They did all of that without any expectation that he would rise from the dead. They were absolutely devoted to him, and they did not believe that he was going to be found alive. They went to anoint his body. They thought he would be dead. Now, let me ask you this question. If they served Jesus with that kind of devotion when they thought he was dead, how much more can we serve him with devotion knowing he's alive? One thing I discovered when I worked as a hospice chaplain was how great there is a need for skilled nurses. Everywhere that employs nurses is looking for nurses. If you were a student beginning your education and training to become a nurse, you could devote yourself 100% to your studies with absolutely no concern about being able to get a job. I mean, you could give absolutely everything you have to becoming the best nurse you could, and you would never have to wonder if it would pay off. You would absolutely be able to get a job. Now, I want you to listen. Jesus is alive. His resurrection confirms both his identity and his power with absolute certainty. What does that mean? That means you can devote yourself 100% to him with absolutely no doubt that it'll pay off. You see? His resurrection proves he is who he said he is. It proves he's bigger than death. It proves he's able to keep the promises he's made. It means you and I can give ourselves to him fully, 100%, without any question or wonder if it's going to pay off. Listen, that means you can give Jesus the best of your time. Devote the first hour of every day to Him. Devote the first day of every week to Him. Let your calendar reflect your devotion to Jesus. Give Jesus the best of your energy. Take whatever opportunities you have to serve in and through the church. Look for ways that you can do good to others in Jesus' name. Use your gifts and talents to help other people know Jesus and help other people grow in Jesus. Give Jesus the best of your resources. Invest financially in the work of the church. Put your home and your car and your possessions in the Lord's hands to use as He sees fit. Listen, Jesus is alive. You believe that? That means you can devote yourself fully and completely to Him with absolute certainty that it will be worth it. It will be worth it. Because he is a risen Savior, you can serve him with devotion. The, the, the next thing I want to show you is you can serve the risen Savior with courage. Go back to verse 43. Here we go back to look again at Joseph of Arimathea. You know what's ironic? Joseph of Arimathea is a member of the same Sanhedrin council that condemned Jesus to death. But the Gospel of Luke tells us that he did not consent to the actions of the council when they condemned Jesus. Luke 23, 50 and 51, Behold, a man named Joseph, who was a council member, a good and righteous man, he had not consented to their council and action. 
And Matthew even tells us he was actually a disciple of Jesus. Now when it was evening, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. Matthew 27, 57. Now, it was Joseph who went to Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. He wanted to get Jesus off the cross and buried before sundown. Now notice verse 43. He gathered up courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body. Why did Joseph need courage to go in and ask to have Jesus' body? Because asking Pilate for the body of Jesus was very risky. Think about this. Jesus has just been crucified as an enemy of Rome, right? Claiming to be a king over the Jewish people who were under the authority of Rome. If Joseph goes to Pilate and asks for Jesus' body, Pilate might assume that Joseph must be part of Jesus' group of rebels and insurrectionists. You following me? He, he could be identified as one of those troublemakers and he could get himself in serious trouble. He's taking a big risk by going to Pilate, but it's more than that. Showing sympathy for Jesus could put Joseph on really bad terms with the other members of the Sanhedrin council who had condemned Jesus. I want you to think about this. Joseph was a very wealthy and very influential man. Being on bad terms with the Jewish council could cost him both his wealth and his influence. Because they were the people who ran Jewish political society, religious society. They were in charge. And if he got on their wrong side, it could cost him. But you know, it seems here Joseph doesn't care about any of that. He doesn't seem concerned about his wealth. He doesn't seem concerned about even his life. Before this moment, Joseph had been a follower of Jesus secretly. We know that from John 19, 38. John says he was a disciple, but he had kept it secret. Why? Because of the Jewish religious leaders. He knew what would happen if they found out. Well, he may not have openly followed Jesus before, but in this moment, his allegiance to Jesus is clear for all to see. Because I want you to think about something. He didn't just ask for Jesus' body and go throw it in some mass grave or some place. What did he do? He put Jesus' body in his own unused family tomb. He served the Savior with courage. Listen, and he thought Jesus was dead for good. He had no idea Jesus would rise again on Sunday morning. Now, if he served Jesus with that kind of courage, believing he was dead, 
how much more can we serve Jesus with courage knowing he's alive? The zoo in Memphis is one of my favorites. If you like zoos and you've never been there, I encourage you to go. My favorite part of it is the bear exhibit. The last time Angela and I were there, there were two big grizzly bears playing in the water with each other. And they were just, I mean, a few feet on the other side of the glass. Within four or five feet from where you're standing. And people were crowded up to the glass watching them. And you know, not one person was afraid. Nobody seemed intimidated or nobody was worried. I mean, here we are standing just a few feet from bears that have claws that could tear your guts out in the blink of an eye. And nobody's afraid. Why? The glass. No reason to be afraid. The bears couldn't hurt you. Now I want you to listen. They killed Jesus. Yes, they did. Graveyard dead. But they couldn't hurt him. He's alive. Why couldn't they hurt him? Because he's more powerful than death. Listen, the enemies of Christ can mock you. They can curse you. They can beat you. They can even kill you. But they can't hurt you. Your Lord, the one you serve, is bigger than death. He's more powerful than death. That means you can serve him fearlessly with absolute courage. Are you with me? So when you have the opportunity to speak a word for Jesus, don't be silent. Speak up. Not arrogantly, but courageously. Speak openly and public about who Jesus is and what He's done. Listen, bow your head to pray without concern for who might be watching or listening. Even when you're in public, if you're engaged in a task, stop to pray and ask God to help you. If you're sitting with family and friends at a meal in a restaurant, pause and give thanks out loud verbally for all to hear. If you're in the car, play worship music. And if you've got friends and family in the car with you, sing to the Lord openly and unashamedly. Listen, pass out tracks. I, I provide them for you. Pass out tracts, gospel tracts to people when you're out shopping. Listen, what am I saying? Go public with your faith. Go public with your faith. Boldly, courageously. Knowing that you have nothing to fear. Why is it you have nothing to fear? Because Jesus had conquered death. The worst they could do to you is kill you, and Jesus has already beat death. Do you understand? The evidence is clear for all who have eyes to see. Jesus died, He was buried. And he rose from the dead bodily. He is now alive. Hear what the Word of God is saying to you today. You 
can serve Jesus with courage and devotion because he's a risen Savior. You don't have to hesitate to give all of yourself to him, wondering if it's going to pay off. You don't have to be reserved or timid. When you have the opportunity to go public with your faith, you can be bold knowing that your Savior has already conquered death. There's nothing they can do to you. My prayer for all of us tonight, it as, as we think about the reality that Jesus died and rose again on our behalf, we are free to serve him with absolute courage and devotion. No reason that we have to hold back. Let's pray.